0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of The Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we have a great show for you guys today. Clearly, it is still the slow season in the NHL. We did get some news. Austin Matthews signs an extension. Brayden Point gets an extension, and Austin Watson gets a PTO because PTO season is is starting to is beginning. I was, I was gonna say starting to begin. That's incorrect. Uh so we're gonna talk a little bit about some former penguins that we could reach out to for a PTO at we being Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins. But before we get to that, we had somebody in our comment section say, you know what, you guys were talking about the bottom six a little bit last episode, but didn't really get into it. What would the bottom six look like in your eyes? So that's what we're gonna do here right off the jump, and for the sake of this one, Horwat, let's say Jake Gensel is healthy when we're building this bottom six, because as of right now, Kyle Dubas expects him to miss four or five games, and let's not try to factor that in. Let's say Jake Gensel is healthy. How do we construct this bottom six? Let's start with a third-line center option. I feel like Lars Eller is the the easy answer in this one, isn't it? It's the easy answer. It's the go-to. It's the kind of already
1: projected third line. He's kind of the already projected third line center, considering during his opening media availability, he pretty much said uh, that's what he was brought in to do in so many words. he was That's going to be his focus uh, with the team starting a training camp and going along through the season. It'll be interesting to see how a player like him can perform in a third line center position. Not that he couldn't do it, but um, all of last season, the Penguins were looking for a third line center that can score. And not that Lars Eller can't do that, but as we're going to discuss with a bunch of these names down here, uh, it's a big defensive-minded position, Uh, everyone in the bottom six, and he fits that role perfectly. I think it's the easy answer, it's the go-to, and exactly who I have slated in as starting as the third-line center.
0: Yeah, he was brought in for that role specifically. I mean, Kyle Dubas said um, pretty much as much, you know, not in so many words, but he basically said he's key, very key to to our plan here in Pittsburgh whenever he signed Lars Eller back on the opening day of free agency. And you could tell that obviously when when Eller spoke to media uh, via Zoom that he was pretty much hinting at the fact that he's going to be the third line center he was brought in to play that third line center position so we have Eller at the third line center role let's move over to left wing on the third line who do you think starts there or if you were the head coach who would you put there to start the season so the the
1: wings is where things can get a little interesting but uh, uh, I think third line left, left wing could be pretty easily uh, Drew O'Connor coming in off of that new deal um, had a good season last year we know he's not going to produce a ton of offense but you know what Uh, Maybe a few extra minutes here and there could help uh, promote a little bit of offense from him. We know he's going to be the same old Drew O'Connor that he was. uh, And just uh, uh, this little promotion in the lineup is a good little spot for him. I don't have too many extra words on it. This is just where he falls in the lineup. There's a bunch of depth players down here that are going to be fighting for roles, fighting for slots and spots and extra positioning. And
0: I think Drew O'Connor gets a leg up and that should be where he lands. Yeah, we're we're uh, stride for stride on this one Horwat. I think he deserves a shot there. So yeah, I would say yeah. Drew O'Connor if I was, you know, heading into training camp, I'd slot him in at third line left wing and that's the interesting thing about the Pittsburgh Penguins particularly the bottom 6 heading into training camp is a lot of these spots are just up for grabs. Like there's nobody mm-hmm. penciled in to actually be the third line left wing right now. I mean, Drew O'Connor is the guy that we're both putting there to start training camp, but somebody could come up easily and take that spot from him. He's going to have to go out there and perform. And I think that's a great thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins because, well, yes, as constructed, the bottom six is marginally better than it was last year. The fact that there's more competition and there's more of an opportunity for Mike Sullivan to switch out parts, especially before the season even begins, I think that's really important for this team going forward. They're going to need to have competition in that bottom six. And while, yeah, Lars Eller, there's not going to be many people that are going to be able to push him for that third-line center role, Drew O'Connor is going to get pushed to try to earn that third-line left-wing role. And I, I do think that he deserves a shot at the very least. Um, he does the dirty work. We we've talked about that all summer long, especially because he signed his contract. What 21 days ago, three weeks ago, almost to the day. Um, I'd like to see him get more of an opportunity on the penalty kill, because I do think that that's somewhere that he could excel and it could really round out his game. But as far as five on five, I'd love to see him as a third line left wing.
1: Yeah, that's exactly where he's probably going to slot in. Like we said, there's going to be a lot of up for grabs positionings. Mm-hmm. Andrew O'Connor's just deserving of that,
0: uh, Deserving of that opportunity. Yeah, moving over to the right side now. This is where things could get interesting, or we could just have the exact same third line. Uh, Horwat, I have Alex Nylander on the right side to start on the third line. Is that who you have as well? No, because this okay, is exactly where things.
1: Yeah, this is exactly where things get interesting because this is what I had hinted to last episode, and probably exactly where Brian Rust should be starting the season, uh, as a depth position and not so much as a demotion to him, but for his sake of you know he promotes a ton of defense in his in his game, but also can add that punch of offense that the bottom six is, it looks like it's going to need. If you look at the players that are in this current bottom six, there's not a lot of scoring coming from it even if you do include a guy like Alex Nylander, um, who could play perfectly fine on the second line, which is where I kind of I kind of had to drop the whole lineup in my eyes to put this together. But Brian Russ on the third line just seems like a good option for him to kind of rebuild after the season that he had Uh, because it wasn't phenomenal. He played 81 games and scored fewer points and is in need of adding more offense to his game. And if it's just him down down in the bottom six carrying the load of offense, A, it promotes promotes scoring for the bottom six because there isn't much there. But also his defensive game fits in perfectly with what's already going on down there. Uh, it just seems like a good match in my eyes. I could be totally wrong. I mean He's probably going to start on the first line. We all know this. Um, but I don't think there's any issue with giving Brian Rust a chance uh, to start the season on the third line. And by a chance, I do mean a chance. Genuinely to promote everything that's great about his game uh, in a few few less minutes and give Nylander a great shot on the second line as well.
0: When I look at this lineup, though, I feel like Brian Rust, yeah, he had a a down season last year. He still scored 20 goals, and a lot of the reason, and I've said it so many times on this podcast that it's probably, you know, tattooed across my forehead— A lot of the reason is because they needed him to play more defensively. They needed him to play more time on the penalty kill, and and that just lined up with a really unfortunate season when it comes to puck luck. I mean, his finishing ability and his shooting percentage numbers were lower than they've been in a long time. So while, yeah, I I do agree with you that if he struggles out of the gate, maybe a demotion to the third line to get right is what's best for him, but I would really think, especially if he comes out into training camp and he looks good, I would really think that he has the benefit of the doubt to start on the top six. Um, um, I, I get where you're coming from, but I just I wouldn't put him in the bottom six to start the season because I think he's built up enough trust in the coaching staff, but I think the front office is smart enough to know where this player is coming from and, and to give him an opportunity to start the season on the right foot with, with probably Sidney Crosby, like you mentioned, but as as most of us would hope, alongside with Evgeny Malkin, so Ricardo Raquel could go up with Crosby considering the two's, you know, chemistry there. But For me, it is Alex Nylander, and and here's the thing that worries me a little bit. Obviously, he was better defensively in the small sample size that we saw last year than we expected, or at least that was advertised with Alex Nylander, but when you look at the other two players that we had already mentioned on the third line, Drew O'Connor and Lars Eller, they had the defensive side of the puck taken care of. You need somebody to be a little bit more offensively inclined on that right side to just lift the tide of the rest of the line. I think Alex Nylander has a chance to bring that. Now... The one thing that scares me a little bit is his nine games last year were the only NHL action he's seen in the past three years, so is he going to be able to come up and take a big sample size and really stay at the NHL level and perform at the NHL level on a consistent basis? That's something that worries me. He only had two points in those nine games last year, one goal and one assist, but I think the comfortability that he showed last year is why I'm comfortable putting him there to start the season. And the other reason is because, and we mentioned it already, the competition is there. If he falters, if he struggles in the first seven, eight, nine games of the season, there's not one, there's not two... I have four names of players that could come up and take that role immediately. And Andreas Janssen was brought in for that express reason. Vinny Hinestroza was brought in for that express reason. Rem Pitlick was included in the Eric Carlson deal. He could take that role. Valtteri Pustin is my guy. You know, you know, know, I'm going to bang the drum for Valtteri Pustin and every chance I get. And Sam Poulin, even though he's moved to center, he could be that right wing as well. I mean, that's where he started when he was drafted. So I think the fact that Alex Nylander showed a little bit of chemistry at the NHL level last year, gives him a leg up on these guys. And that's why I'm putting them there. But if he falters, there's plenty of guys that could take that spot in a heartbeat.
1: There are, and you didn't even name, you know, a few extras that could still also jump right into that position. There's all kinds of options that, that uh, Mike Sullivan has been given. Thanks to the work of Kyle Dubas, this off season, there's plenty of names that could fill in this specific position that. Quite honestly, Alex Neilander could be the right answer. Ryan Russ could be the right answer. And anyone else that you just throw out there could be <laughs> the correct answer for this for this uh position. I mean, who knows exactly how it f- falls through, how it filters out. We have a whole training camp to go through, a whole preseason to go through, and a first handful of regular season games to go through to find out who really will uh stick in this position. Uh it's going to be an interesting battle, it's going to be an interesting fight, and it could be a name we haven't even thought of yet.
0: Who knows if a PTO flies into this conversation too. Yeah. And we'll discuss that in the second segment with some former penguins that are still out there on the market. But you know, when you look at this roster, it's kind of like the old NFL adage where if you have two starting quarterbacks, you really don't have any, if the penguins have six guys for the third line, right-wing spot, do they really have any great options? No. and I, I think that is an issue. But at the same time, when you look at the overhaul over the past two and a half months that the Penguins roster has gone under, yeah, there's going to be spots that are unfulfilled heading into the season. And third line right wing just happens to be one of them. So let's talk about the fourth line. And none of the guys on my fourth line did I mention as potentially being on the third line because I don't know if I'd want any of them to go up onto the third line. Uh, Nolachari to me, again, Center is pretty much cut dry, simple, mm-hmm. very easy. It's Nolachari in my eyes.
1: Yeah, I've seen a couple of, I agree with you, but I've seen a couple of uh, roster projections throw them on the right wing. Uh, I forget exactly who they put in center. I think it was like Ren Pitlick who can also fly to the wing. Uh, so when it comes to the bottom line, it's, it feels like a lot of the names can kind of fall wherever among, amongst the forward positions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Nolachari can play center. He can also play wing. Uh, I guess Ren Pitlick can play wing, but also play center. Bunch of Names can redeem Saurna. could sneak in there and play center. There's a lot of, again, more options over who could play this specific position. Uh, But I think Nolachari is the go-to answer for the center. It's just... Kyle Jubas wanted his guy. He got him in Toronto, and he wanted him to remain by his side. So he brought him along with him to Pittsburgh, and... You know, I always still stand by. It's weird seeing guys that get signed or get traded and they're immediately not in the lineup. Uh Noah should be cracking the lineup pretty easily considering uh that aspect as well.
0: Yeah, the Penguins actually went with a proven commodity for their fourth-line center in Nolichari. Yeah. That's the way I look at it, because if you look at the previous couple of seasons, they went young with Teddy Bluger a couple of seasons ago and kind of rode that horse out until it, it the wheels fell off, and he didn't look good last season. He got traded uh, in a cap casualty when they were trying to acquire Jacob Chikrin. They also had an unproven guy in, in Ryan Paling to to spell him last year whenever he was unhealthy in Teddy Bluger. So going with a proven commodity, almost like when the Penguins went with like a Matt Cullen-type player back in 2016-17, that's the the last one that I can think of off the top of my head. But to have a guy that has been proven as a fourth-line center that, hey, this is the level that he can play at. He'll give you a good fourth-line minutes. He's a good fourth-line center. He's proven to be that time and time again. To bring somebody in that's that stable, I, I think, is a good change of pace for the Pittsburgh Penguins compared to what they've had the past couple of seasons with Teddy Bluger, where there were people that said, hey, at his best, he could be a third-line center. Have we seen that yet? Not quite. And I was one of those people that said, you know, I see potential third-line center in him if he progresses, and he never really progressed to that level. In fact, he regressed last season and was below average for a fourth-line center, so You know, he still went out and won a Stanley Cup, which is more than I can say with my life right now. I mean, I haven't won a Stanley Cup uh, as far as hockey is concerned, you know. But at the same time, I think Nolichari is a much more consistent option for the Penguins at fourth line center. Um, Left wing and right wing here, it's, it's veterans. It's one guy like you mentioned that got brought in. You find it hard to believe a guy signs a contract, an NHL contract specifically, and doesn't make the lineup or at least get an opportunity to make the lineup out the gate. That's why I have Matt Nieto as left wing.
1: Yeah, pretty easy. Pretty cut and dry once again. Uh, Matt Nieto also should be an, an awesome option for this, for this Penguin's depth. I mean, even considering all of the camp battles that might take place, I feel like Matt Nieto is going to come out on top of almost all of them for his uh, specific position. I'm really interested to see what he can do, and I hope he can hold on to that spot. <clears throat> I mean, cheap two-year deal. I think we can get with... Um, Exactly what Matt Nieto is gonna bring. I don't. I hope he doesn't lose his spot. That's all I can say about Matt Nieto. I really hope he can maintain his role in this lineup.
0: And here's the thing about Matt Nieto. I I can't say much about Matt Nieto because I don't know very much about Matt Nieto. That like too. even when I watch some of the tape from from his days in Colorado and, and San Jose, I'm just like he's such a nondescript player for the most part that like I don't know what to expect with him in this Pittsburgh Penguins lineup. So I, I got to do more work on that before I can even talk more about it. But I do think he'll be in the lineup, and I have him at fourth line left wing. The right wing spot, Horwat. I don't want to see it. I don't, I, I really, I, I. but I don't know. I just don't see Jeff Carter starting the season as a scratch. Do you? No, I
1: don't, but I drew up my lineup being
0: optimistic. <laughs> well, here's <laughs> the thing, though. At fourth line right wing, with that expectation coming into the season, there's a chance he could outplay the expectations of a fourth line right wing, but there's not the chance of, that he can play up to the expectations of a third line center. So he's in the middle ground there, and I, I, I feel like it could end up being a good thing for the Penguins that he has less responsibility on the wing, and he's playing on the fourth line, which means he's going to have less ice time, hopefully, and then, you know, hopefully, the Nolichari and Lars are good at faceoff, so we don't have to play that game again.
1: That's that's a fair point too. <laughs> uh, we're assuming Nolicharis is going to be a great center for this uh, for this team for this depth. I mean, you're probably right. Jeff Carter likely starts as the starts on the fourth line. I'm not going to nail a position down to him because if he is still that good at draws, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised seeing Jeff Carter's fourth line center, Nolichari's fourth line right wing. Um, but like I said, I wrote up my lineup in in some confidence and went, you know what, Rem Pitlick was brought in with Derek Carlson. I know okay. he's going to be one of those guys battling for positions, and it might be his off-wing anyway as a right-winger, um, but, you know, Cat Friendly has enlisted. He can play all three. So I'm just, I kind of just threw a name in there and went, not necessarily went anyone to keep Jeff Carter out of the lineup. No, Jeff Carter can still bring positive aspects to the lineup, especially if it is a fourth-line right-wing role. But I'm very interested to see what Rem Pitley can do, A, for the youth over 39-year-old. 39-year-old? I don't even remember exactly. But over the aging Jeff Carter, uh, Rem Pitley can come in as a 26-year-old winger and kind of grow back into what he was supposed to be in his days uh, with... I believe he's a Nashville prospect, uh, played, in the, played in the Wild for a minute, and then had a decent se- uh, couple seasons with the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't promote a ton of defense, which, again, is one of the things that... That is like one of the biggest aspects of the Penguins' bottom six right now. But if you're putting Brian Rust up, you know, remaining on the first line, then you have... That need for offense. Sure, it's coming from a fourth line role. It's not going to be as much there. But Rempillik can promote a little bit more offense that this lineup just might need, considering, Mm I mean, yeah, we're making this lineup out of a healthy Jake Gensel, but you're starting the season without him. Mm
0: -hmm. Rempillik
1: could add add a goal or two here and there. Uh, Who knows what kind of injuries are going to fly up and down the lineup just because it's the Penguins. Everyone's going to get hurt eventually, knock on wood. And... Pitlick's a guy that can try and cover at least a handful of offense. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I I do think Pitlick, I have him as my 13th forward to start the season, at least going into training camp. Now, if he goes onto that fourth line right wing instead of Jeff Carter and Carter goes up to the press box, I do like what that fourth line looks like more. uh, But in my head, I just can't see... Jeff Carter getting a healthy scratch at least to start the season. I mean, if he struggles, yeah, there's too many options to keep him in the lineup at this point in time. But, you know, I don't see him starting the season out of the lineup. But if you look at that fourth line the way I have it constructed, it's Achari, Nieto, and Carter it feels like it's too much of the same thing. And if you need a change of pace, Rem Pitlick is the perfect guy to put in there. And, and you know, Mm -hmm. the guy that's coming out is probably Jeff Carter. Um, I don't think you take out Nola I I don't think you take out Matt Nieto. I think it would have to be uh, Jeff Carter for, for Rem Pitlick. So I see both sides of that. I also think that there's a lot to be seen at training camp. It's going to be a camp where Mike Sullivan for the first time in a couple of years has some actual decisions to make. I mean, last year, yeah, Drake Kajula was there. Yeah, you had some other players there that could have made the roster, but at the end of the day, he was pretty handcuffed in what he could do because of the salary cap. Now, the Penguins are still up against the cap, but they have a lot more flexibility and a lot more different options when it comes to player type and player style. So uh, he really can't actually handpick his lineup this year as opposed to last. But that's the bottom six that we have going into training camp that starts in just about a month. Obviously things can change, PTOs can be signed, actual contracts can be signed. Thomas Tatar is still out there and available. We'll see uh, how that entire thing rolls down and shakes up. But what we're going to do next is we're going to look at some former Penguins that are still on the market and which of them we would extend a PTO to if we were Kyle Dubas. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by insidethepenguins.com a proud affiliate of the hockey news. Horrat, I meant to mention this right before at the end of last segment. Jeff Carter is still 38 years old. He's actually a New Year's Day baby. Right. So January 1st he'll be 39 years old which hopefully um is the last year he's on the Pittsburgh Pitt. like nothing I don't I hate saying that because Jeff Carter is potentially a Hall of Fame talent, but he's Correct. just not he's just not that anymore. And last year he was he was a boat anchor for the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: Yeah, I can remember going into last season thinking if he has an outstanding year and then closes down his career with at least a semi decent season, you have a Hall of Fame talent there. You have a potential maybe not first ballot guy, because it's hard to do that, but you have a potential future Hall of Famer in your lineup. And who knows? That's still very possible. I mean, two cups speak for themselves. Um, the longevity in its own right does have a lot uh, a lot of say in the building of a lengthy career and of a Hall of Fame career. Let's say he has a good bounce-back year and finishes strong. Who knows what the future holds for him? But, uh, you know, it just wasn't working out last year. And at this moment, we're kind of expecting the same thing. So until the next
0: season kicks off. That's just what we're going to be projecting him to do. Yeah, the expectations heading into last season weren't that low for Jeff Carter, but man, he uh, he, he certainly plummeted through, uh, through the season. But we'll end up having to see what he's able to do this year on a contract year, uh, which could be his last dance. But let's talk about some other former Penguins that are still out there and available on the free agent market. There's a handful of them. Uh, Which of these players is what we're going to ask. Would you want to see receive a PTO from the Pittsburgh Penguins? Let's start with somebody that was here most recently, and that's Danton Heinen. Spent the past two seasons with the Penguins, but he struggled last year a bit, scoring only 22 points, eight of them goals in 65 games with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Often found himself over both seasons in the doghouse of Mike Sullivan for his lack of defensive effort. Horwat, would you extend a PTO to Danton Heinen at this phase of the offseason? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, I I don't know how many PTOs
1: I would be willing to hand out at this point. Like we said, this lineup's already pretty stacked. But Danton Heinen um, did not live up to the expectations last year. We thought we were the Penguins thought they were getting a steal out of him for a million dollars after the thirty three points he put up in his first full run with the team, and just wasn't the same player. I don't know what it was. There were stretches of no offense, no scoring. There were stretches of just struggling uh, game after game. Uh, I mean, he subtracted 10 goals from his total. And I get he played about 10 fewer games, but you still were in a underperforming bottom six. And like we just had this conversation with Jeff Carter, we would expect much of the same thing going into this next season. Uh, he has the benefit of youth. He's under the age of 30 still, which is a very good thing to fall back on. in many occasions especially in the pto situation but i just don't think that would work out for the penguins uh just underperformed last year in one of the most important years seasons of his career
0: so uh will he land in the nhl i think so just not in pittsburgh yeah, I could see him getting a PTO just simply because he's a guy that, you know, he had success in Boston. He struggled a little bit in Anaheim. And then he had that success two seasons ago with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And when you look at the Penguins bottom six, nobody really succeeded last year. So he he has that going for him where he can use that excuse that, hey, listen, nobody was going well. And I didn't play a full season and I was being benched at points and give me an opportunity. And honestly, at a PTO, it's very low risk. So I could see Dayton Heinen Getting an opportunity to try to earn his way onto an NHL roster this season, I just I wouldn't want to see it in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I, I I think he does have some offensive upside. Is it that much more than anybody the Penguins have? Is is that we mentioned in the last segment as options for the bottom six? Not if what he showed last year ends up being the case again this season, and he doesn't bring much else. He's not defensively minded. He doesn't play the penalty kill. He's a power play two guy. But again, how much is the Penguins' second power play going to play when you have Eric Carlson, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin headlining the top unit? So I just don't think there's a need to go back to that well. I agree with you. I I wouldn't extend him a a PTO offer. Yeah, it's just not the right time, I guess. I mean, we thought we had a steal last year, but it is what it is. Yeah, it, it certainly was not a steal. It ended up being a pretty... Equal contract. Eight goals for a million bucks. I mean, that's that's kind of what you expect from a million-dollar player. You just hoped a little, from a little more from a guy that scored 18 uh, the year previous. But let's talk a little bit about Carl Hagelin. He hasn't played since the end of the 2021-22 season. He had reconstructive eye surgery. And he was never really an elite scorer. And if you're looking to add scoring, Carl Hagelin might not be the name you go after. I mean, the last time he hit the 10-goal mark, he did it exactly at 10 goals in 2017-18 when he was still with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So not really an offensive-minded guy. Would you give him a shot with a PTO this season?
1: I also don't think so. I just think a year off, you know, you have reconstructed eye. He predicated a lot of his game on speed. And it doesn't help that he had a hip surgery, so there may have, he may have also lost a step. Uh, just turned thirty five, I think, like literally two days ago. Um, just doesn't seem like it's his time anymore. Honestly, it would suck to see to say, but it might just be the end of the road for him in the league. Um, taking a year off and coming back from injuries like that—that's tough who knows exactly what he could bring to a team and you're right he never did bring much offense um which is surprising considering how much of a fan favorite he seemed to be in pittsburgh and then you look at the numbers and go how, how did that happen he didn't seem to produce that much he was a great speedy depth guy but um didn't bring much by way of scoring so i don't think the penguins would be missing out on much even even in a pto situation um I don't, and I'm just not sure if he lands back in the league again. It's, it's hard taking a year off like that.
0: I can't believe you said you're, you don't know how. He became a fan favorite. It's the follicle factor, Horwath. Look at the <laughs> flow that he's got rocking. The Penguins fans love players with great haircuts. Carl Hagelin, Brandon Tanev didn't score a lot of goals, but he was a fan favorite. Now, he was also a, a little freaking bundle of energy and Energizer Bunny, and clearly he's doing good things with the Seattle Kraken as well, but it was the follicle factor, Horwath. Everybody loved the flow from Carl Hagelin, and I got to admit, I was one of them. I mean, I have a Carl Haglund jersey hanging up in my closet right now, but I wouldn't mind giving him a shot because here's the thing that I mentioned when we were talking about Dayton Heinen. I still didn't want to give Heinen a shot, but it's a very low risk thing. Haglund, you don't know what he looks like. And yes, he's 35 years old. Yes, he might have lost a step, but he hasn't played at the NHL level in in a year. What does that rest and recovery do for a player like Carl Hagelin, who, while yes, he might have lost a step, he had a lot of steps that he could lose. He was one of the fastest players in the National Hockey League when it came to pure foot speed, and he's a good penalty killer, which you can never have too many good penalty killers. And while, yeah, he doesn't have an offensive upside, not many players on this Penguins team do in the bottom six, so why not give him a shot and see if he can outperform some of these guys in training camp, and if he does, then hey, listen. He came in and he emerged and he became one of the best options for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if he doesn't, it's a PTO cut bait, yeah. try again next year. Sorry. So I, I don't see a reason why not to give him an opportunity, especially because, you know, you mentioned he had a hip surgery, a, what a couple seasons back at this point. The reason he missed uh, last year was su- the, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think he had, it was,
1: I think he had another surgery during that same recovery from the eye injury. I'd have to look back mm. into it. Uh, but
0: I think that was part of it. Yeah, but it's been a long time off. Who knows what he looks like? And and that's the thing. I mean, you just got to give him an opportunity and see if he's able to beat out these guys. Beat out a Rem Pitlick. Beat out um, Drew O'Connor. If he's able to beat out a guy like, you know, Valtteri Pustinen. If he's better than those guys in camp, why not give him a shot? So I'm pro PTO for, for Carl Hagelin. But let's talk about another player. Somebody who played on the fourth line for a long period of time with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Somebody who was included in the Ricardo Kell trade a couple seasons back to the Anaheim Ducks and now finds himself on the free agent market. Somebody who played on the Toronto Maple Leafs last year with Kyle Dubas being the general manager. And that's Zach aston reese Defensive-minded, yes. But this is a no-brainer for me. Why not give him a shot? Like, if he comes in, you know, and outperforms Matt Nieto, I mean, Matt Nieto has a two-year deal, I'm not sure he'd be the one that comes out of the lineup. If he outperforms a Jeff Carter... Maybe you put him in over Jeff Carter. If he outperforms Rem Pitlick, maybe you have him as your 13th forward. This is a no-brainer for me. If Zach Aston Reese wants to come back, he, he already basically knows exactly what Mike Sullivan wants from him. Mike Sullivan knows exactly what he's getting in Zach Aston Reese. Bring him in, and if that's what the Penguins are missing, you have the guy right there Just sign him to a full contract at that point.
1: Yeah, I'm into this one as well. I, I know I wasn't the biggest fan of Zach Aston Reese during his time in Pittsburgh, but... um. He fits the perfect mold for a PTO in this situation. A, he's got the youth. B, he's got quite a lot of upside that could push him into the lineup over guys like you mentioned in Matt Nieto or Jeff Carter or even Rem Pitlick for that matter. And he's got that little Kyle Dubas factor. He spent a season with the Toronto Maple Leafs. As a matter of fact, he had his highest goal-scoring season, the highest goal-scoring season of his career under Kyle Dubas. Not that it was Kyle Dubas calling the shots there, but... uh, scoring 10 goals and only four assists, fuck hog, um, is, you know, scoring 10 goals on the Toronto Maple Leafs' fourth line is pretty impressive, and it just fits perfectly with this team. And if, like, like we keep mentioning, if it doesn't work out, cut bait. Back to the free agency
0: board for you. Yeah, I mean, again, these PTOs, Very low risk because if it doesn't work out, it's not a full year commitment to the player. It doesn't hit your salary cap yet. So, yeah, I I don't see why. Again, it's the same thing with Carl Hagelin. You can never have too many penalty killers. If you bring him in, you know he's going to be good. On the penalty kill, you know he's going to be good at 5-on-5 at cycling in the offensive zone, and you know he's worked with Nolichari before, so there's a little bit of chemistry there as well. There's chemistry all over the place with Zach aston reese between the Penguins, Kyle Dubas, Nolichari, everything he did with the Maple Leafs last year. uh, To me, this is a no-brainer. If he's willing to come back on a PTO, you give him a PTO, and you let him see what he can do in training camp. The last one's a little interesting. That's Dr. Phil Kessel. It would certainly be interesting to see Phil Kessel return to the Pittsburgh Penguins, wouldn't it? Be hilarious. So funny. I mean, he played all 82 games in the regular season last year for Vegas. He scored 14 goals. So if you're looking for a little bit more offense, Phil Kessel certainly does have a little bit of offense left in the tank. He still has the shot. The question then becomes, how much of a liability are you really willing to put out there on the ice with Phil Kessel when it comes to the defensive side of the puck? quite a bit even in his last couple seasons with the
1: penguins he was a minus i mean
0: yeah we, we all know phil kessel's desire to play defense is not quite you know at the level Oof. of most nhlers but at the same time i mean listen could you imagine the total jersey sales in this season if you have you know Usual cast of characters, Crosby, Malkin, Jari, some people love, Latang, Gensel. Then you add Carlson. Then you add, once again, Phil Kessel. I mean, the jersey sales is ridiculous. PR moves alone. Not to mention, I think there's somebody in the front office that's an assistant to the general manager that probably has some pretty good feelings about Phil Kessel, at least, you know, would like to see him succeed in Pittsburgh. Are you trying to think of who I'm talking about? Because I'm talking about his sister.
1: Ah, uh, I was like, Jason's, what's the Jason Spencer connection? No, I there's they no hired. Jason
0: Spencer connection, but there is an Amanda Kessel connection to yes. Phil Kessel. Yeah, just a slight I one. For- forgot they hired her
1: to do that. All right, <laughs> um, that's another connection that fits phenomenally. Um, my only drawback with signing Phil Kessel to a PTO is that it's not likely he makes the team here. I mean, yeah, you want to promote offense, uh, but... Even in the last few years you could tell his offense is taking a setback as he ages. Uh even on a high flying Vegas Golden Knights team, he's only had fourteen goals, eight this eight goals the season before with the Arizona Coyotes, but He did have thirty six um, points last
0: year though. And he as did a have 36 third or fourth liner, yet. that's that's not bad. Now again, the defensive stuff is yeah. Sorry.
1: It, it is what it is. I mean, he in his last season with the Penguins he had a perfect eighty two and eighty two. was a minus nineteen. I mean, that's an impressive little number there. But, yeah, I just don't see this one happening. And also because I don't want a PTO in Pittsburgh to interfere with what he could do elsewhere in the league. Uh, Because when you sign a PTO, you're not normally getting looked at by other teams anymore. Unless scouts are watching camps. I don't know. Um, But that could just interfere with and a greater opportunity elsewhere in the league i mean he has an iron man streak he's probably looking to continue i just don't i don't know how they'd count it if he just doesn't have a contract to start the year uh that being said though i just don't think it's a worthy uh return uh that's just in my eyes i get the connections are there i get that the promotion of offense to the depth is there but it's just not
0: gonna it just won't work out in my eyes. Yeah, Uh, I think that. Listen, he does have the ability to move up in the lineup if need be. He has that offensive firepower that, and he's played with Evgeny Malkin. He's played with Sidney Crosby in the past, so there's a little bit of a history there. But there's better options for all-around players in the Penguins system. Mm -hmm. You know, how many people can you say that about really when you look at the Penguins system? But you know, Valteri Pustinen in my eyes is a better option than Phil Kessel heading into the season. Alex Nylander, I don't know if I'd go that far. Sam Poulin, I, I think going into the season, maybe not the high-powered offensive, but as an all-around player, I'd probably take Sam Poulin and give him an opportunity over a Phil Kessel. So I think at the end of the day, I probably don't offer him a PTO also because if he gets a PTO and he's in Pittsburgh, there's going to be a lot of pressure just to put him on the team simply because there's a lot of noise around it. It's, yeah. it's a similar thing to... Why can't Cam Newton be a backup quarterback? Why can't Baker Mayfield be a backup quarterback? There's a lot of noise surrounding those guys, right? Why couldn't Tim Tebow become a tight end on a team? Because there's a lot of noise surrounding Tim Tebow. And regardless of the actual ability, people want to see them on the field, on the ice, whatever it is for the analogy. People want to see them. If mm-hmm. Phil Castle comes in on a simple PTO, there's gonna be a large portion of the fan base that's gonna to want to see him make the roster simply because he's Phil Kessel.
1: Yeah. I mean, think back to and also I throw you're in the in that noise is the Iron Man streak that I mentioned. Because go back to when it was him and Keith Yandel both still battling in their own streaks. Keith Yandel should not have been on that team that he was playing. He shouldn't have been in that lineup. I get we had this conversation a couple years ago, and it was the Flyers, yeah. it was this, that, and the other. But uh, at the end of the day, was Keith Yandel worthy of still playing in the NHL? I mean, not really. <laughs> he broke the record and then was... they had they, The team had to put a pe- petition together to keep him in the lineup. Oh. That's You don't want to sign Phil Castle. He's got over 1,000 ga- consecutive games played. And you don't immediately want to go, there's a bunch of other guys on this team that are going to make the lineup over him. A, it's going to make it tougher... B, you immediately don't want to be Kyle Dubas, new GM, president in charge, and Phil's not making the lineup first game.
0: Well, here's the thing. He broke the Iron Man streak already. He played the 1,000 straight games, right? He, he reached 1,000. At this point, there's no real pressure to be like, hey, you got to keep it. Yeah, right. I understand I understand that he he's currently has it going, and he played all 82 for Vegas last year. And as soon as I got to the playoffs, I don't think he played more than 10 games for Play Vegas. Four. He played four for Vegas in a Stanley Cup run. But I don't think the pressure is there at this point, especially at this stage of his career. I don't think it's something that's keeping teams from signing him. I think it's just the fact that while he does have offensive upside, a lot of teams you know, aren't willing to... To take the gamble knowing how important the defensive side of the puck is for somebody in the bottom six and, and the fact that Phil Kessel is is not great on that side of the puck. Yeah, no, it's we I don't, don't need to read I, those I don't minus numbers. Yeah, I, I just don't think that the Ironman streak really takes that much of a deal because also because there's nobody really close at this point to him is there. Like it actively is anyone close to catching him? Cause if they were that, you know, you got to get it as high as possible. But if there's nobody that close, then I, I don't see reason why the Ironman street going into this season would be as big of a deal as it would have last season when he was actually chasing down Keith Yandel and chasing down a thousand straight.
1: I'd be curious to know who is second now. Um, but it's just a matter of how far he wants to take it, I guess, and how far, uh, he's willing to go with it. Uh, I mean, like you mentioned, yeah, he's broken a 1,000. He's already got the record. Um, it. The next question just becomes, is he healthy enough to keep playing? Does he want to keep it going? Does, the, does that team want to keep it going? Does the fan base? There's a lot of PR that goes into Phil Kessel, it seems. So it's an interesting concept. I just don't think it works out in Pittsburgh. I mean, does another team jump on the grenade? Probably. It's Phil Kessel. He's a three-time cup champion. He does bring a lot of butts to seats, which is... Uh-huh vitally important in this in this nhl that is probably still trying to recover financially from COVID. so we'll see how it goes with him i mean uh i think i think he'll land in the nhl again with a pto he might even sign a real deal who knows
0: yeah Uh, but it won't be pittsburgh despite the connections Uh, before we head to break next up when it comes to active players iron man streaks is andrew cogliano and he is over 200 games played away separated from Phil Kessel, So he would have to play at least, what, that's three more seasons? two At least two full seasons, and then into a third season. So that gets interesting. And then you have Brent Burns at 761. Brent Burns? I did not know that. That's an
1: interesting one. And as for the Cogliano one, isn't he the one that got suspended and there was the whole uh, argument
0: about that one? Yeah, but is it, according to NHL.com, records.nhl.com, right. he is a current Ironman streak. So even that has an asterisk next to it. All these yeah. Iron Man streaks have freaking asterisks next to it, though, don't they? Like, you know, Yandel did, Kessel did, Cogliano does. Brent Burns is the only true Iron Man. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, there's some betting odds on the Penguins. We're gonna look into those and, and tell you if you should spend your money on the Pittsburgh Penguins heading into this season. <laughs> Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Before we get into the the odds, and I know we're running a little over here, so we're going to expedite this final segment. Uh, Justin Smith on Twitter responded to our debate on last episode, which was on Tuesday. He said, interesting debate on the Crosby versus Jari for number one most important penguin. Here's what he would say. Sid is more important to the Penguins making the playoffs. Jari is more important to winning the Stanley Cup. I agree with that. I think that is a a tremendous point by Justin. It's a fun way of looking at it. He's absolutely right. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that because I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And you know, Sidney Crosby, let's not lie, he'd probably be number two. But you can't win a Stanley Cup without great goaltending. We saw it last year. Aiden Hill needed to step up for Vegas. Sergei Bobrovsky needed to step up for Florida. If those two guys weren't at the level that they were at, then neither of those two teams probably would have made it to the Stanley Cup considering how good uh, some of the other teams were. I mean, you look at Dallas, for instance. When did their run end? When Jake Ottinger ran out of gas. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense. So, Justin, great point. And uh, that's a good time to remind everybody. If you want to send in a question... Just send it to us on on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast or leave it in the comments of this on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. We do listener questions, especially in the slow time of the season, which is right now, at least for the next mm-hmm. three weeks until training camp gets underway. But let's talk about betting on the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not one to tell you, our loyal listener, how to spend your money but I will tell you how I would spend my money if I was betting. And that's what we're going to do with this one cuz there are some updated lines, betting lines surrounding the Pittsburgh Penguins. The first one that we're going to look at is how many points will Sidney Crosby score in 2023? The over under is 90 and a half. Obviously, last season he scored 93. What over under 90 and a half? The line is minus 115 either way.
1: The funny part of uh the betting odds giving him a 90 and a half NHL.com said he projected him to get 102, (laughs) so (laughs) take that for what you will.
0: Uh, NHL.com would take the over. That's what I. That's what I hear in that.
1: (laughs) NHL.com is pounding the over on this, and I Mm -hmm. I would take the over as well. I don't know if I'd go 102. Uh, Yeah, that's a a, you know, (laughs) it's very possible he has another hundred point season in him. But I I just I don't even with Eric Carlson on the back end, I just don't know. Um, But I'd still go over 90. I don't, know about, I don't know about over 100, but somewhere in that 91 to 99 point range, I guess, if you will. Uh, sounds like a good spot for Sidney Crosby heading into year 19.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his 82 game pace over the past five seasons has been over 90 points in each of them. So I'm not going to be the guy that sits here and bets Crosby to get under 90 points. So I'm going to take over 90 and a half easily. You know, like mm-hmm. like when you look at him and also to stay on the pace that I set before last season for him to become top five in NHL all-time scoring, he needs 90 again this season. So you know what? I'm going to stick on that trend and I'm going to say he scores over 90 and a half. Uh, let's go over to goals. One of the Penguins' top goal scorers is Jake Gensel. Now he is slated to miss the beginning of the season, recovering from surgery. Who knows how many games? Kyle Dubas says four to five. The timetable says a little bit more than that, uh, potentially, but the over-under for Jake Gensel is 37 and a half goals. Again, minus 115 either way. You going over or under, Horwat. I think I'd
1: go over. I think I'd try and really be beneficial to him and say he can touch a 40-goal season, uh, even with the time missed, as long as it is just those first few games and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, he's looking to have a bounce-back year. He's, lo- he's in a contract year. You know he wants to perform to the best of his ability, no matter how much time he misses to start the year, I think I'd go over that 37 and a half number.
0: Yeah, I'm also going over with this one. Listen, he scored 36 goals in 78 games last year. Mm-hmm. And it was the quietest 35 plus goal season I think I've ever witnessed in my life. I don't think he's going to be that quiet for a second straight year, even if he's coming off of a surgery. And not to mention, Penguins power play should be better. It should, should be. be better. And what is one player that's going to benefit from that? Jake Gensel, because he mm-hmm. is one of their trigger men on that unit. So I do think that he goes over 37 and a half. At least I would bet that at minus 115. The next one, how many standings points will the Pittsburgh Penguins finish with in the regular season? The over-under is set at 96 and a half. And again, minus 115 either way. Thank you to the sports book for putting in a lot of time and effort when making these lines, just slapping 115 on everything. But you know, over under 96 and a half minus 115, either way you going over under the 96 and a half total standings points.
1: That, that, that one's a tough one. We missed the postseason by one point last year <clears throat> and had 91 total mm-hmm. 96 is a bit of a jump. Um, but in, in a league like this, you pretty much almost need a hundred points to reach the postseason. season. Um, and if, if everyone believes the Penguins are better and are now a playoff team again, you have to think 100 points is at least the minimum they get. So I'm going to go with the over.
0: Last season, the Penguins had 91 standings points, right? Yep. So if they don't blow a third-period lead over 10 times like they did last season, they're probably close to that 96.5 mark. And I think the team's better this year than it was last year. Quick math, over. For minus 115, I'm taking that. So so we're very optimistic. It's been over, over, over on Crosby points, Gensel goals, Penguins standings points. The Penguins to make the playoffs, it isn't minus 115 either way. To answer yes is minus 185. To answer no, you get plus money at plus 140. So the sports books are leaning towards the Penguins making the postseason at minus 185. Horwat, would you take it at minus 185? It's a lot of juice there. Or would you take them to miss the playoffs at plus 140? No, I'll take them to make it. <clears throat> Trying to win your money here. I think abs-
1: we all absolutely think the Penguins are going to make the playoffs this year, right? Right. <laughs> depending <laughs> on how that, depending on how Tristan Jari holds up in net, I think this uh, Penguins team can
0: absolutely make the playoffs. So that's a uh, that's a make the playoff bet. Here is the difference between discussing whether or not you just purely believe the Penguins are going to make the playoffs and betting on whether or not the Penguins are going to make the playoffs. If I bet on this, I'm betting no. There's not Ooh. enough value to take them at a yes, because I don't think it's it's a lock that the penguins make the playoffs. And minus 185 is not a good price. So I'm not paying that price on a, a in my eyes. 70-30 chance that they make the playoffs, and that's optimistic, I feel like, from my standpoint. I think most people are more 60-40 or 50-50. But when I look at the price here, if I'm betting it, I'm saying no and taking the plus money. In reality. I'm probably taking my money and keeping it in my pocket from this bet. But if I had to pick between the two, I would bet on the no at plus 140. Even though I think in general, I would believe that the Penguins are going to make the playoffs. I'm not willing to bet on it for minus 185. Hmm. It's fair enough because, you know, you're the one that does the sports betting more than I do and
1: understands the (laughs) sports betting more than I do. Um, I'm just kind of giving my answers of if I
0: think they'll do this or that. Uh, Whereas you get the insight. I like that. Maybe I'll do like a gambling corner on YouTube, like a quick short every single game. And, you know, here's the line on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Here's what I would take. And people can lose their money by backing me or could fade me and probably make more money because I have not made a lot of money betting because it's hard to do that. You have to be very good. But um, regardless, last one we'll talk about here. There's three bets. Penguins to win the Metropolitan Division, Penguins to win the Eastern Conference, and Penguins to win the Stanley Cup. Which bet has the best value in your eyes? And I'll tell you the odds now. To win the Metropolitan Division, they are plus 650, which is fourth best odds in the Metro. To win the Eastern Conference, they are plus 1,000, which is tied for seventh best odds in the East. And to win the Stanley Cup, plus 2,500, which is the 13th best odds in the National Hockey League. Which bet has the best value in your eyes when based on what you think could happen and the price, when you put them together, which one do you think has the best value? That's value so hard because
1: <clears throat> this is the part where I don't understand. If I had to <laughs> throw one out, because you, you think of that, the, mo- the, yeah, it's well, words just escaped my head. Anyway, <laughs> the bet, the most value there would have to be the cup one. Would it not? I mean, you throw, the, throw a couple of bucks down, you never know what will happen. That is their main goal. Could this be the you know, the last dance sort of run? Could it be the Team of Destiny sort of run? I mean, I like the idea. We brought Eric Carlson in for the express purpose of shooting to win a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could get solid value on... <laughs> I'm betting right now that the Pittsburgh Penguins go
0: on to win the Stanley Cup in 2024. Mm -hmm. So if I'm betting this today, because again, the smart play might be wait till the season starts and see where the lines move, especially after the first five games where there's most overcorrection by the books because that's initial reactions and they try to try to fix uh, what they didn't see in the offseason. But if I'm betting it today and here's where betting gets weird. Five minutes ago, I told you that I would bet on them to miss the playoffs based on the price. Mm-hmm. Of these three, the best value is to bet on them to win the Stanley Cup. So that's why betting is so freaking weird. For those who don't sports bet, I, I told you five minutes ago, I the based on the value, I would bet on them to miss the playoffs. But based on the value of these three... I would say they'd win the Stanley Cup. One, because I think the Carolina Hurricanes are too good of a regular season team to bet on the Penguins to win the Metropolitan Division. So between them, the Devils, the Rangers, even though I think those two teams are going to take a step back from where they were last season, I don't see the Penguins winning the Metro because I don't see them outperforming Carolina on a consistent basis throughout 82 games. But when I look at the other two bets then, of the three, If they win the Eastern Conference, they're winning the freaking Stanley Cup. They're not going to lose in the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't see that happening. I don't see a team with these players, if they are good enough to get to the Stanley Cup Final, they are going to win the Stanley Cup Final. They're not going to lose it. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Eric Carlson, Chris Letang, they're not going to lose if they make it to the Finals. So for plus 1,500 extra, yeah, I'm taking them to win the Stanley Cup instead of win the Eastern Conference. That's the way I see it. Because I don't see them winning the Eastern Conference and losing in the finals. So for that much of a bonus when it comes to uh, value, yeah, I'll take the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup.
1: I like that. It just depends on the way, you know, the logic you're thinking. As you mentioned, you don't see them losing in the finals. I immediately just started thinking of teams that might look like the Penguins' boogeyman and has for the last couple seasons. I think the Oilers come to mind right away. Then again, they served up at what was looked like, at one point, the harshest loss in franchise history, and then the Chicago game happened. Speaking of, speaking of penguins boogeymen, um I mean, but also, do, do the Oilers make the final? Just because they've struggled to do something like that forever now? Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, I mean, if the Penguins make the Stanley Cup Final, who knows exactly what kind of teams they roll through and what kind of momentum they're carrying? Maybe they beat the Leafs in the Eastern Conference Final, who knows? Imagine that storyline. Oh my, oh my God. God! What did I just birth?
0: S- Sportsnet would explode <laughs> if that ends up being the Eastern Conference final.
1: Imagine they do that, and Phil Kessel was signed to a PTO and
0: made the team. Okay, Bang now now, now, we're we're land. <laughs> now we're full circle.
1: Now we're full circle.
0: Yeah, that certainly would be uh, something that the national media, especially the hockey national media, would just absolutely eat up. So. I said the Stanley Cup. Is that what you said as well? Just want to cover the bases yes. here before we say goodbye. All right, cool. So uh, we both think the best value at the moment would be to take the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think the best bet on the board that we talked about here was Sidney Crosby over 90 and a half. I, I think, you know, yeah. there are no locks in betting. And if anybody says they have a lock in sports betting, they're lying to you. But uh, of the bets that we laid out here, I think Sidney Crosby over 90 and a half is probably the most likely to, to occur.
1: Yeah, I mean when the gap is that wide between NHL.com predictions and the betting odds, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but gonna... At the same time, nobody knows. No. Like nobody knows what Crosby's gonna do. Crosby had an a hundred and five point pace through almost you know, seventy percent of the season last year. That's a good point. So and then he finished with ninety three. So you you never know how eighty two games is gonna play out. So it, it's gonna be a fun season. And here's the thing. We're going to be with you every step of the way. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast. We're on Facebook as well at Tip of the Iceberg. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. And you know what? If you like to read, I know not a lot of people like to read that much anymore, but if you like to read, you don't get a better site than InsideThePenguins.com. We talked about PTOs and former Penguins that are currently available. Horwat already has a piece up on there. At this moment, talking about those four penguins. So, check it out. Check everything out that we do. If you would, leave a review, like, share, subscribe, all that fun jazz. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. We'll see you guys next time.